0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as Nottingham Forest crash out of the FA Cup after a shocking trip to the seaside, losing 4 1 at Blackpool. We'll look back on that game, the implications of it, as well as preview Wednesday's Carabao Cup course final against Wolves in the company of, first of all, Forest fan and podcast regular Greg Mitchell. Hello, Greg, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yourself? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Interesting weekend. Uh, and second guess is the reason Forrest lost to Blackpool <laughs> because he's <laughs> back on the podcast, uh, David Jackson. Bit of context, David's other appearances this season were the 4-0 defeat to Leicester, the 5-0 defeat to Arsenal, and at least he saw a goal this one, the 4-1 defeat to Blackpool. David, how, how guilty are you?
1: Well, actually, I didn't even see the goal because I happened to look away at that point. Because somebody next to me started a conversation about The fact that uh, Blackpool had made four separate substitutions during that game uh, and actually had four stoppages in play. We're trying to look at it going, What's going on there? So I didn't even get to see the goal. Um, I I should make a formal apology, I think, for having accepted this, despite the um, obvious knowledge that that would mean Forrest would go on and lose. Um, In my only defence, as has been proven on Twitter, Matt, I did actually reply to you and warn you that it would happen. Um, only for you to, in a rather foolhardy fashion, say, let's go ahead anyway. <laughs> and then they've, they've gone and conceded the four goals at Blackpool. So I think we need to take collective responsibility, work on this together for a way forward. And in future, when you ask me, I will only say a provisional yes and only confirm once the game's out of the way.
0: If we're talking about confirmation i mean without breaking the fourth wall we were waiting until 10 59 and 59 <laughs> seconds for confirmation that you could do this so it's been, That's a, stressful true. It
1: has been a stressful morning
0: yes yeah. yes also a stressful morning yeah um uh, yeah like my, my daughter couldn't find her shoes this morning for school and i lost my rag with her and she went in her trainers and then i found them in the most obvious place so now i feel really bad about that <laughs> so i have to apologize to her later but anyway football um I mean, the, the reactions to the Blackpool game seem to... Uh, Twitter's never the best place to uh, gauge things. And I made a terrible mistake by engaging on Saturday on Twitter. But it ranged from absolute meltdown, some of these players should never play again, to, you know, shake it off. It's just one of those things. I mean, how bad was it, David? What do you th- How do you feel people... We can't tell people how to react, but do you understand the reactions in both camps?
1: think when you've gone away to uh, a team at the bottom end of the championship and conceded four goals, you know, to the same opponents that you've gone and actually given them that score like the year before, you can understand the anger and the annoyance because um you know Forest should have won that game and and the team that Steve Cooper picked should have been good enough to win that game. There's no doubt. And they from the start, I was confident. I was confident when they were you know, creating chances. Emmanuel Dennis hit the bar. Sam Surridge down the inside the right channel ordinarily would have scored. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, they'll just keep creating chances and eventually one or two will go in. Even when they went 1-0 down. Even really when they went 2-0 down because they were still having, uh, having chances. Um, and I, I just always felt like they'd be in it. And I, I wonder whether that's where... Steve Cooper's comment that there was too much entitlement in the Forest players. I think that's where it came from because I think probably I was thinking the same and probably the three and a half thousand Forest fans on, on our side of the ground were probably thinking the same, that it'll be okay. Even though they're missing chances, they'll just keep creating them, the, the games there for, for, for them to win. Um, and they just maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe it was a bit of an attitude thing on the day that, that cost them. Certainly seems to be the implication from what, what Steve Cooper was saying. And and then they just defended really poorly. They gave the ball away far too much. Silly, silly errors again. You know, look at the first goal. It all starts because Emmanuel Dennis gives the ball away in his own half, and it ends with Lewis O'Brien heading the ball straight back into into the danger area for, the, for them to score. Just silly, silly, silly mistakes, and, and you you just can't make mistakes like that. So I can understand the anger and the annoyance. Um, but I, the thing I'd say is. Um, Steve Cooper's anger after the game, I think sort of gives you confidence that um, that it, it will prove to be a one-off.
0: What did you make of the game in the ground, Greg? Was it, I mean, I've only seen the highlights because I was working and had family. So it's one of the games I haven't seen, which gives me a different perspective on the result and perhaps the wrong one, in a sense, having not, not been able to appreciate the
2: anger that fans felt. How angry were you in the ground? Um, well, certainly around me, there wasn't the anger. I, I didn't feel... The, the upset you'd feel if it was a league game, or if you know, uh, of course, it, it's a long way to go to see that you know dreadful performance because it was, um, but it's soon going to be forgot about if <laughs> the result happens on Wednesday. And I think you know Steve Cooper always says next man up, and a lot of a lot of players had the chance to be the next man up on Saturday, and they didn't take it. So I imagine they're going to be a, a hell of a lot more frustrated and angry than we are because. As long as the next result goes OK, it's easily forgotten from a fan's point of view. Um, I, just, I just felt like it wasn't a 4-1 game. It wasn't as one-sided as that. I think we did go in too confident. I didn't, as a fan, I wasn't there nervous thinking, oh God, like what if we lose this? And yeah, I think we, we might have, there might have been a little sense of too big for our own boots and it's kind of knocked us down a peg or two, which could be a good thing. Um, there was still some bright moments. You know, Scarpa looked good in his first ever start, uh, and he got valuable minutes, which you'd hope he would take into Wednesday and then even more so onto Saturday. So, no, I'm not. A, I, I didn't walk away from that ga- ground absolutely gutted. I was I was annoyed, obviously, but that was by no way our starting eleven. Cooper probably appreciates now, maybe that you know he gave them a little bit too much credit starting the players he did and maybe now it's it's a chance to look at where else some of those players could go but um yeah i wasn't too upset and i'm certainly not it certainly not worried me more about going forwards because it was just completely different it was a, a different starting 11 it was a proper third round cup start really and there's certainly always going to be shocks in it and unfortunately we 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 were one of them this is the big takeaway then david about missed opportunities
0: collectively but also individually. We remember the Spurs game, the Carabao Cup, how, you know, Bolly and Worrell stepped up and they've cemented their place. And there was an opportunity there for, you know, a Sam Surridge, a Nico Williams, and we'll come on to individuals. But there was an opportunity for players to put their hands up. And as Greg said, probably Scarp is the only one. There's a a few players who are going to be waking up with regret on Sunday morning, aren't there?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, from Sam Sorridge's point of view, you'd think if you you get given four opportunities to score in a game, ordinarily Sam Surridge is going to put two or three of those away. Um, but but he didn't. Um, ordinarily Emmanuel Dennis will put at least one of those away, especially when he's put through brilliantly by Scarpa in the second half. You'd, you'd fully expect him to score one on one. So yeah, they'll absolutely be waking up thinking, well, you know, they may well have been saying for weeks, you know, put me in the team, put me in the team. But then if you if you get in the team and you get given a chance like that and, and you, you miss them, then you've you've got no argument after that, have you? Um, until you maybe get another opportunity uh, to, to try and prove yourself again. I, I, I thought Scarpa was really good. I thought it was really interesting to see him in that kind of environment, to say, OK, here's your introduction into English football. January, <laughs> black ball away. Gloves no, are the end of the championship, where you're not going to get necessarily loads of space. And he was hacked down at one point, early on in the first half, which should have should have been a booking, but I think probably both players should have been booked. Because Forrest were on a good counter-attack. He got away from one tough challenge and stayed standing, then got absolutely uh, nailed to the floor. And I, I thought he, he that should have been a booking. But anyway, he um, I, I thought he was great. Some of his passing, again, what a left foot he's got. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the through ball for, uh, for Dennis in that second half was weighted so brilliantly and I'm not sure we've quite got anybody who, who can do that from that kind of position we see Morgan Gibbs white doing it and that's kind of the role Lingard plays but to see somebody picking out those holes in the opposition defense getting the ball into um into the strikers that with such precision and weighting that perfectly great to see Gr- really really good to see so I think he's he's certainly going to give um Steve Cooper a headache over the coming weeks because I don't know I don't know how you fit him in by the way. When you've got Gibbs White and if you've got Lingard back and you wanting to win the team when he's fit and Brett, I, I don't quite know how that dynamic is going to work, uh, but he he looks he looks really really good on the ball and he, he got a couple of good tackles in as well. Very Like I say, I, I was interested to see him start in that kind of environment and I thought he, I thought he stepped up to it really well.
0: I think one of the interesting questions for me coming out of the game was this: a lot of fans. I don't know to what degree, percentage of the whole fan base, but there's people saying, you know, those 10 should never play for this club again or Player X should never play for this club again. And I remember, if I, for an example, Swansea absolutely slaughtered Forrest in the FA Cup two years ago when Cooper was manager. It was 5-1. It was an absolutely disgraceful performance. What Probably the lowest point of the Houston reign in many ways for me. And I've just got the team here. And in that team, the centre-halves were Warrell and Figueiredo. Joe Lolly played and Lyle Taylor played. And those players, to varying degrees, contributed to promotion. And Joe Warrell's club captain in the Premier League now. So I suppose my point is, it, collectively, that 10 is not a Premier League team. But to write players off, Greg, to me, feels a bit premature. People say McKenna's not good enough for the Premier League Williams isn't good enough, even Surridge isn't good enough. The, the pendulum swings too much for me on opinions of players. Am, am I right or or do you think
2: I'm out of order there? Well, yeah, you're right because they, they play on Wednesday and they have a good game and that's just the way football is. You know, you, There's certain times when you can say it when it's just happened time after time after time, but it hasn't with any of those players. McKenna was one of the main reasons we got promoted last season. You know, Surridge. You could say that as well. The way he scored, he's got these vital goals. So yeah, it'd be crazy to think that about ninety-nine percent of those players who play who played on uh, on Saturday and it they're one more good performance away from us all loving them again. We're all fickle. That's just the way football fans are, and it must drive the, the players crazy. But I imagine they're not going to be as concerned about how we feel. But if they listened to that Steve Cooper interview after with Radio Nottingham, God, I'd be a bit frightened going in Monday morning because I've never heard him like that. And it's good that he, he saw the importance of a performance on Saturday. And I'm sure, he's like he said, he's never going to let him forget. He's never good, just going to move on to Wednesday and uh, see how we go. He's going to remember it. And, and that's what I love about him. He lets, he, he lets nothing go, does he? So, uh, no, none of those players have played the last, well, I imagine none of those players have played the last game for Forrest. But uh, no, it's certainly not write them off. That would be crazy. The other thing about
1: Steve Cooper as well is, you know, that, that he'll take his share of responsibility for mm. that as well. And you know, he always talks about the collective and he talks about that when it's going well. Um, but he'll also talk about the collective when, when they've lost. You know, this is a, it's, it's not those 11 players who've lost, it's the club who've lost. Um, and, it, and he will sort of take his role and everybody else around the club will have to take their part in that just in the same way as they can all take the credit then when they go and win games and, and succeed. So I don't think you can start saying, right, that's half the team out because they, they lost a the game so poorly. The, the club lot. Steve Cooper would say, the club lost the game and it's the club that needs to find its, its, its way out of it. And of course, you know, you don't, you don't get sacked from your job for one, one bad day at work. Um, you, it's up to a manager to work out why that didn't work, how to get the best out of somebody. Um, you know, Darwin Nunez is missing chance after chance, but, it, it, um, but he then goes up and scores a really neat goal against Wolves the other night because Jurgen Klopp knows he's got the quality and thinks that he's worth sticking with to um, to then eventually get, get the best out of. Of course, you don't, you don't write players off after one game's nonsense
0: puts me like darwin nunez he's clear my fpl team i knew you were gonna mention <laughs> i keep sticking with him i, I could I see you Harry smiling because <laughs> <laughs> he scored and i, I couldn't believe it so i'm stuck with him now unless i go to kane right anyway um it's interesting the the interview he did on radio not even though david because you know i heard colin at the end say oh we'll, we'll move on to wolves and Cooper's like, no, we won't forget this. And that's quite un-Steve Cooper, isn't it? He's normally, you know, never too high if we lose, if we win, never too low if we lose. But I think you know, we always say on this, managers want to make a point in interviews. And it felt to me like he was, he went into that interview with Colin say so he was, he knew he was going to say this was unacceptable and it can't happen again, which isn't really a Cooper thing normally, is
1: it? No, well, it, it, you're right. I think he, he said there were, um, they fell short in every way, shape and form. Um, and you're right, the fact that he said, that we we won't forget it i think i think it's interesting i think it, it's probably a quite a good one for him to use because the, the, there's been a lot of encouragement over several weeks with lots of games and as soon as you you get an inkling there that there might be something psychologically where the players have gone in with a wrong attitude he's absolutely got to kick that out immediately you cannot just go well we'll just write that off because you it he, that's the one thing he will absolutely not tolerate you know, you can tolerate a mistake. Mistakes are going to happen. You know, you can tolerate a defeat against a really good team. That That's going to happen. Um, but you, you can't tolerate it if what's happened is, uh, as he seemed to believe by the phrase that there was too much entitlement, which I thought was really, really interesting and not something I've heard him say before, is that, is that they've gone in and the, the attitude, the focus, maybe hasn't been quite right. I don't want to put words into his mouth. But, you know, if he's, if he's got that impression from that game, then he's not going to forget it and he's going to make sure the players don't forget it because he needs to make sure that never appears again. So he's he's got to absolutely stamp that out. And I did think that was interesting. You're right, because normally he'll go, yeah, absolutely, next game up, we've only got a few days, on we go. And I think that's the case if, say, like at Manchester United where they had played okay at times, but been well beaten by a much better team. You say, okay, learn what we can from it, but another game now. This... This was very different to that. Um, and I think it also showed that although he made 11 changes, he cared about that game. He cared about that result. This wasn't just, oh, it's only the, it's only the FA Cup. I'm going to just change all my players and don't really care. That That's not what it was. He put out a team that he thought could win um, and wanting to use his squad because he's got a lot of players around who've not played much and he wants them to be fit and, and, and in form, ready to, to come in in whatever competition um, comes up over, over the next few weeks. And it's not worked. So he is um rightly and understandably wanting to absolutely eliminate any any of that attitude because that that goes against everything Steve Cooper stands for. Uh there's a couple
0: of people in the comments asking about Dane Murphy. We'll we'll come on to that later on, but um yeah, we will address that no problem. Um just looking at the game then, Greg, a few individual mistakes lead us on to conversations about said individuals and the first goal as David says Dennis is at fault, and we'll come on to him. But O'Brien, it's a really poor header. He's an interesting case, isn't he? Because at the start of the season, he looked really good. Then he fell out of favour. Then he got ill. And I think perhaps we're underestimating to the extent that affects him because he's
2: come back and he's, he's not looked the same player, has he? No. And I think it's um, he, so hard because he's going to, if he has been ill and it's been like zapped out of him. He needs game time and it's no point, you know, these under 23 games or whatever. He's got to have competitive game time to get back to the level that we did see glimpses of him being at. So, you know, I'm sure we will come on to teams for Wednesday later, but I believe it'll, it'll be really important to get him some valuable minutes because we are going to get more injuries. And I'd rather he be match fit, ready to go than, you know, have to throw him in in a couple of games time when there's no one else. So... It was a shame, and he was off the ball on Saturday. It was noticeable, but I do think that might be down to this, you know, this long illness he's had, and hopefully he'll be on the men soon because there is a player in there. We've seen it; Huddersfield certainly saw it last year, and he, he could be vital for us. So, yeah, that was a real a disappointment, but certainly not not you know the end of O'Brien by any means. Mm. His
0: game's based on ball carrying as well, isn't it? And if you're not mm. that's fair, if you're not the guy, who, if he can't beat a player, which is his his edge, then kind of takes a bit away from him. I mean, I suppose, David, you could loan him out, but we're a bit thin in midfield now with Kuyate injured, aren't they? So, it's a bit of a difficult situation to get him the minutes when he's not really making the case to get the minutes, is he? Um, yeah,
1: I didn't, I didn't think he was great the weekend, um, but... Um, I... He's a good player. I don't think, like you say, you don't. I don't think you sort of start cutting your losses or anything like that. I mean, I'm sure they will want to strengthen in in lots of areas in, in the summer. It's interesting. Yeah, you're right. Missing creative. I, I, I really thought Saturday was an, another sign of of how important Ryan Yates is because you know he, he just drives so much and is central to so much of of what Forest do that as soon as you take him out of the team, he, he, you you'd really notice. The energy that he gives, how and how much he how much he drives that side, and and how important he's become over the years to that to that team. No matter what division you're in, no matter what the manager is, um, he just goes uh, every time for me. And I, you know, I know that <laughs> he's one of those players, and he he kind of divides opinion at times. But I I thought that weekend showed perfectly that you need him in, in your midfield. When we get onto the Wolves thing, I think that'll be the first thing that happens. I'd, I'd be amazed if Ryan Yates didn't start on Wednesday night because I, I just think I just think you need him.
0: Um, what was Billy Fusel like, Greg? Because he came to, he wasn't predicted to come into the team. It was his debut. <laughs> He's a good young talent um, who,
2: who sounds like he could have a decent career. What did you make of him? When his, uh, when his name was read out, my friend... I said, oh, you mean Froiler like I just, it was out of nowhere for me. I wasn't expecting it at all. Uh, and he he looked confident at the start, and then obviously when the, the results started going away, he kind of left the game a little bit. But he's a young player who's now got you know he's got a start for for Nottingham Forest, and he, I think he'll he'll go on. Now we might see a little bit more from him. Maybe maybe he's one of those that we loan out. That could be a great move for him, and then. You know, like Ryan Yates did, goes out on loan and then comes back and really starts because because he he could be a real valuable asset for us, and we know how good our youth setup has been with Gary Brazil over the years. And if Steve Cooper saw that he was good enough to start for Nottingham Forest, then uh, certainly one game isn't going to put him off. And Cooper said it in his interview that uh, by no means was that result anything to do with with that young player starting so yeah it was exciting to see his name on the team sheet and it's just a shame we haven't got another you know a fourth round to give players like him another chance but i was glad to see him start he certainly didn't light it up but there might be more chances for him i thought Um, he he needed sorry matt i i just felt like he
1: needed to have players play well around him
2: yeah Think if, he, if
1: he'd have come in to make his debut at 19 and, at, you know, a third round FA Cup tie away from home against a team who are desperate to put one over you, uh, you, you need those players around you playing well. Because I thought, first of all, I look at it and think when well, he's got Jack Colback alongside him, he's got Steve Cook behind him, he's got McKenna, he's got senior players all around. And th- this will be ideal and he can sort of just bed into it. But when he's got players around and giving the ball away... And the kind of then on on the back foot, and it's a tough game. Third round of the FA Cup got a bit frantic at times and pacey, and I, I noticed he got he got done at one point by a player who sold him a dummy and completely sent him the wrong way. And I thought this is absolutely not not his fault. He I felt like he if he had been in that game the way that Steve Cooper had expected it to go and that we'd all expected it to go, it it would have been a whole lot better for him. We would have seen a lot more from him. And instead, he, he he sort of just got in the middle midfield of a game. Where his own team are giving the ball away, and it, it just became a, a very difficult afternoon. But he didn't disgrace himself by by any means at all. But he did all right.
0: No, I think he goes out on loan as well. I think that was mm. in the pipeline. I imagine it happens now. Two quick bits of admin. Um, as Nick says, very grateful. Hit the like button uh, if you are watching and enjoy it. Do like and subscribe. Secondly. Please don't call each other stupid in the comments. Let's keep it civil. I can see people having a party. I don't want to ban people, especially if they're regulars. So uh, let's be nice to each other because uh, we're all friends here and support the same team. Right. Um, the second goal and the third goal were probably on Nico Williams, I thought, especially the second goal. Uh, Greg, you, uh, you're a back of his and I am as well. Uh, is it just one where he has to take it on the chin and do better next time? Because he's not going to get in ahead of Aurier and Loji at the moment, is he?
1: Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life. Like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help. From fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
2: So Nico's got into this position now where his strongest performances has been when he's come on for the last 20 minutes or the last 30 minutes. And he, he gives us that spark down one of the, you know, the flanks. And starting a game and not performing, he's gutting. Because I love him. I love watching him. He does. He gives you that flair when we need it, especially at home. What we've seen when he's come on with like twenty-five minutes to go, and at some cases change the games for us. Uh, so I, I was gutted, and I'd still, I'd still love to see him play as many minutes as possible. But he did have an off game, as many of them did, which the result showed. Four-one players aren't going to be playing well, are they? But you don't write Nico Williams off. He's twenty-one. He's a quality player. Uh, he had a bad game, and I think we'll. We'll be reminded of many times as fans, we've got it wrong about players. So let's certainly not let him be the next scapegoat because he's far, far from that. He's a quality player who will who will be very good for us for many years, hopefully. It's interesting that when it's come on of
1: late, he has come on in a more advanced position. because I mm. mean We have to remember that when he was signed in the summer, Forrest were used to playing the sort of three centre-backs, playing as wing-backs more advanced, kind of the sort of role that, that Jed Spence was playing um, last year. And now it's become a back four. Uh, and Serge Aurier, I think, does that role as, as a right back. I think has been doing really, really well and it's very difficult to displace him from that. So it's interesting where he, he now fits in. Maybe, maybe systems will change. Maybe he needs to um, adapt a little bit to be a, a, a right back um, if, if that's going to be where he's going to play. But it, it, I think it is interesting that when he's come on, he's been pushed further forward, which is clearly where where they kind of see those strengths. And but I I, I agree. I don't I don't think he's going to get past Oliu at the moment. I think he's I think he's playing really well, Aria.
0: mm I mean, I think one of the comments I saw quite a lot about him was, you know, well Liverpool about our pants down for seventeen million quid. But I think a lot's made of transfer fees at the moment. I don't know if 17 million quid even gets you a lot in the Premier League. It gets you a gamble. It gets you a, a project uh, type player, but it doesn't. I don't think it gets you a proven player. I mean, if you're the best 21 year olds in Europe are, are going to cost, you know, 70 million quid or something, there's an element of a risk to it. And I do accept that it's a bit of a, you know, they, they have paid a lot for Williams for what he is, but it's too much made of these transfer fees, Greg, as well, do you think?
2: Uh, I hope so, yeah, because we've had quite a few of them recently, haven't you? Look at Dennis's transfer fee. But the thing with Nico is, he's a British player, so there's a premium on that straight away. Uh, he's 21. You look at what Scarpa, 28? And nice. he's 29. He's come into his prime perfectly, hopefully, when we get him. Nico's got five years before he's reached his peak. You know, a speedy player like that, who might even change position, he might end up being a a right winger or a left winger. Uh, There's so much potential there. These fees are paid over four or five years anyway with so many different add-ons that the money's never the amount we're told it is. Uh, So, yeah, it's a small gamble, I think, for for Premier League quality. So I've got no worries about him yet. Let's speak in five years about whether it was the, the right decision or not.
0: No, I think there's a Derby fan in the comments taking the mickey out of Forest at the moment. I mean, <laughs> he barked up the wrong tree for a couple Steve of years there. Then, <laughs> Oh,
2: thanks for the view.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. Um, what's your take on Emmanuel Dennis, um, David, and his performance? Because there were the reports that he was going, and we've been critical of him on this podcast. I know last week Fletch tore into him for not playing into a team framework. Did he take his opportunity at all or was he another one who'd be you know, feeling he could have done better? Uh,
1: I thought he was perhaps trying a bit too hard at times. Um, there were moments when he'd kind of take a player on and then go back and try and take them on again. And um, uh, I thought he did, did really well to engineer the opportunity for the shot in the first half, which he clipped round was unlucky when it um, bounced back off the bar. Should have scored in the second half. Um, no doubt about it. Put through. Got to score. Um, I, I think he... He'll he'll be looking at that game as we said earlier. He and Sam Sorid will be looking at that game and thinking, well, there was there was an opportunity where I've been given chances to score and, and and haven't taken them. Um and he both of them have got a real job on at the minute of trying to break into that first team because I think Tywar one, is getting stronger and stronger. Um Morgan Gibbs White just continues to show his quality. When Jesse Lingard's back, I think his former really picked up at the end of that first chunk of matches and i think hopefully we'll we'll continue to improve through the second half of the season. Um Brendan Johnson's getting more involved and more stuck in and looking better as well. So i think they they've got a job on to prove to Steve Cooper that they should be in the team and when you get given a chance and you miss chances then um then you you've not not got much of an argument to um to to be in the team really. Is he one that frustrates you,
0: Greg? And the fans in the ground in the stands, is the people tear their hair out of Dennis because he's talented but doesn't deliver or are they more patient than I am with
2: him? Well, that that's one on money, isn't it? Again, you know, the, the transfer fee was an exciting amount for us, something that we'd never seen as as fans at this modern club. But um him and Tywe went into the season kind of level pegging who's going to be the, the guy that pushes on. And at the minute it's certainly Tywe, isn't it? I mean, this talk of Dennis, um, was it the transfer rumour swapping him for that other Watford player? And you think, yeah, that could could be a great move. I know you can't look into social media too much, but Dennis is at home watching the Watford game (laughs) saying how great they're playing. And you think, oh, maybe maybe it would be a good move for all involved because not every transfer is going to work, especially when you make 22, 23 of them. So if we can get something back or if he can get some valuable game time, and we get a decent replacement. Personally, I think he's the one player in this squad at the minute that that I'd like to see that happen. As soon as the Watford uh, rumour came out, I thought that makes sense for everyone. Uh, so, yeah, it hasn't worked for him so far. There's nothing saying that it won't in the future. But at the minute, with Taiwo pushing on, O becoming the player we hoped he would with his incredible pace and you know his eye for a good ball, uh, I do think it might be a good thing for him. And it was in January to see what what other options there are. Mm. Mm. Let's talk about Wolves then.
0: Um, is it straight back to the Premier League eleven that beat Southampton, David? Or maybe I know there's doubts over a one-year and, and Gibbs White. But if it, if everyone's fit, do you play that eleven again?
1: Um, I don't know really. I don't know whether you just change the whole lot. I I, I don't think I don't think there's any particular need to. I think if you're wanting to get game time to players like. Uh, McKenna um and O'Brien and wh- whoever else then I think you can I, I think you need to make certain changes I think the, like I said I, th- I think you need Ryan Yates in there in midfield I'd put him in there absolutely um I I don't know I don't, I don't I, you can you can kind of see it either way and I, I'm a, I'm sorry to the very BBC sitting on the fence and putting both sides of view mm-hmm. forward. I'm not quite sure what I'd do. I asked Colin Frey and Steve Sutton after the game. I said, well, What would you do for Wolves on, on on Wednesday? And they both just stood silent and went, Oh, okay. I don't think any of us quite know what, what we do in that in that situation. I think he'll probably make some changes, but not not back to the entire Premier League eleven. It's a big game of course as well. I mean it's a quarterfinal. quarter final. Um he had a strong team for the Blackburn game, but I think that was more because it was the first one back after the break and he wanted to use it as a bit of a, a sort of warm up for the uh, for the league games against Man United and Chelsea. Um so I, I don't imagine it'll be all of the Premier League eleven again, to call it that, over the last week. I I think you'd probably just bring back a number of them and then um give those other ones another another chance to, to sort of prove themselves really.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think I'd go for
0: it because you look at Wolves, they're absolutely racked with injuries and it feels like an opportunity to get to a semi-final. I'm trying to think. I mean, I suppose, Greg, well, actually, what would you do, Greg? We'll come on to a couple of specifics. Would you like to see them go all out or or a kind of a hybrid
2: team? What would you be looking for? I felt like I got a, a telling off a few weeks ago, so I always make sure I've got a team ready to go. Then. Oh, okay. Well, let's hear your team then. I think Hennessy will start in goal, but I wouldn't be disappointed at all if Henderson starts and I'd completely get it. I'd have the Premier League back for Aurier, Worrell, Bolly, and Loddy. Uh, Yates has to start, just because like, how influential he is. Uh, Mangala, Freuler. And then I'd have O'Brien, purely because what we were saying, he needs the time. I think it's, he's going to be critical for us at some stage this season. And we've got to give him the time to get fit again, with Morgan Gibbs-White only just coming back and playing two weeks before we all expected, I think you still rest Gibbs-White for this. Uh, and then have Scarper and Jono. Uh, Scarper. I wanted to say about Scarper after the Southampton game because I went down. It, it was the most exciting six touches I think I've ever seen because <laughs> we were all hoping that he was going to be like that. But what I absolutely loved, he seemed to have that, like, And I I know I'm just going to completely like go too far here, but he seemed to have that raw brilliance where he didn't really, it looked like he didn't really know where he should be on the pitch. I think Yates had to grab his shoulders at one time and kind of move him into position. But when he got the ball, he just suddenly was able to do something. So Scarpa game time is absolutely critical at the minute. I'm so excited about him. I feel like he has to start on Wednesday. And if he plays well, what a position to be in for Saturday against Leicester, because you, you couldn't really drop him then. And a Gibbs White or a John who's then sat on the bench ready to come on and do some serious damage.
1: Mm. I
2: agree with you about Southampton with, with Scarpe. It took him about 10 minutes to get a touch of the ball. We
1: we're, <laughs> were all waiting for him to get his first touch. He's like, he's still not touched it. And it was, I remember him looking around a bit at times, clearly just like, well, the pace of the game is just not... Not maybe what he was expecting, just but then when he did and he laid that pass down the in, inside channel for um for Ren and Loddy to run onto at the byline again, weighted brilliantly. Then he sprays a 40 yard pass from left to right over to Nico Williams and such confidence on the ball, such a great left foot. And I absolutely agree with you, he's he's got to be in on, on Wednesday night, I'm sure, to get to get more game time. Um, I, I wonder about Gibbs White, former club, you know, chance to mm. chance to play against him. Does that does that playing your, in your mind a little bit to, to chuck him in. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Scarborough, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Get him in and give him that first experience of playing in front of a full house at Forrest. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It is a bit of a tricky one because the Leicester game, is not, it's on the Saturday at three. If it was on the Sunday, it makes it easier to go because the Leicester game is a bigger game for me still, mm. but it's it's an opportunity to get to a semi-final still. And as you say, Gibbs White's going to be desperate to play. I, don't think Wolves fans liked him. Right? Maybe he didn't no, like Wolves fans. I don't know yeah. So he might mm. want to give a bit back to them. I suppose the big question is: one year, I don't think's going to be fit. He walks no. off that pitch to Southampton looking like a player who's not going to be fit. So would it have to be Scarpa, Gibbs, White, Johnson for you, David? Or because Sorry uh, is such an interesting um, one. Is Sorry just gone, gone from being phones. the best finisher at the club to the player who can't hit a barn door in the space of three days? I mean, I, I, I would. Back him still. It's a difficult one.
1: Do you put Surridge in? Yeah, I don't. I I I feel like if you put Surridge in, he'll probably score. Yeah, Um, uh, because it it doesn't it just doesn't miss that many chances normally. And you know sometimes a player just needs a bit of backing, don't they? Um, So maybe you think of that. um, You know, if he's if he's in there, given opportunities at home, maybe you'll get goals. You know, it's big. I think. I think I might be tempted to play Gibbs-White. He's playing so well mm, at the moment. He's um, just going to and,
0: run the ground,
1: yeah. You're right. I know I, I know what you're saying. Um, and you're right, the Leicester game, of course, is is bigger. But I, I think I'd like to see, um, yeah, Johnson and Surridge running on to get chances. Or oh, people won't like it if I say play Surridge again, will they,
2: but he <laughs> just a chance at the weekend. I just think if you play him, he'll score. I think yeah. um, as well... Wolves away was one of the big missed opportunities this season. They were poor. They were really poor. And, you know, they've had an absolutely fantastic result against Liverpool. But they've also now got another game in in quick succession with that thrown in. So, you kind of hope they're they're going to be thinking about other games even more so than we are. And what a massive opportunity, a semi-finals, like one or two goals away. And I think the the way the ground sold out, we played Wolves last year (laughs) You know, and I think you said, Matt, they didn't even open the top tier, did they? So, you know, the crowd are fully behind this competition and we're so close to to getting somewhere, whether that's Man City over two legs or something ridiculous like that. I think it's it's such, a, such an important, you know, part of the, the Steve Cooper reign, if he can say he's got us to a semi-final or even further. Yeah,
0: that was the point I was going to make about Wolves. It shows how far... I know we say this a lot, but it shows how far us mm. have come in a short space of time. That, that Wolves game, a terrible performance, totally outclassed in front of a half-empty ground. And now we've you know, sold out the game a week in advance. So we're talking about a League Cup semi-final and whether you can rest players you know, against <laughs> the Premier League side. So it does show how much things have changed. I um, just wanted to talk the last 10 minutes or so, or five minutes or so, about Dane Murphy. being confirmed he's leaving the club as chief executive. 18 months. Obviously, done a lot of good things. The architect of Steve Cooper's hiring, uh, you know, ch- helped change the transfer policy. Obviously, Forest got promoted, but it feels like he's been sidelined for quite a while. So I'm not sure how much it
2: actually changes. What are your feelings about it as a fan, Greg? I've only got good things to say about him. It it did look like that it was on the cards. I must admit, uh, he's been obviously quite distant since the uh, since the gate since. Um, well, when it started to look like it might be going a little bit wrong for him. But, you know, he was influential in my generation's most important year I've ever seen following Forrest. And he'll forever be remembered for, for what he did. He, you know, he he helped get Cooper on board. He's so young, he's had success at Barnsley. He's, he's got a Premier League promotion on his CV now. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet him a couple of times and he was just a football fanatic. He really was, you know. Speaking to him about football, that's all he was interested in. You know, players on the pitch. Maybe as a CEO, it needed to be a little bit more than that. Who knows? But I just think he was a a brilliant person for our football club. We'll never know just how important he was last season for us. You know, when I spoke about the story about when they signed Surridge before, but he was on about when, um, I think it was when Cooper was signed, it was his wedding. And his wife said let's just please have this day to ourselves and the afternoon of his wedding he's over on the phone trying to sort out deals for Forrest and and this that the other so he's a football mad person I'm sure he'll go on to maybe not greater things I don't know what's greater than getting Forrest back in the Premier League after 23 years but he was massively influential and I really hope that he's remembered for just how good he was for us and how important he was for us and let's see who we we get now because what a position for someone being a premier league ceo i'm sure we'll get you know many people queuing up ready to take on the role.
0: Mm. I mean he leaves a mark on the club doesn't he 18 months is a short time but mm. you know, he's left a legacy hasn't he david in the sense of promotion.
1: Yeah he um i i interviewed him when he first arrived and i was uh, i was impressed by him i think it's interesting that he was a ceo who had Played the game as well. Played the game over over in the states. Um, so rather than coming at it from a, a business point of view, maybe he's coming at it from a slightly more football point of view. And I think maybe that that helped him. Um, and you're right. You know, he's he's had a, a huge impact. An incredible time in the end. He'll look back on as um, a, a, what an 18 months it's been to be involved at that football club. Anyway as a supporter as a, as a follower as a journalist you know for the players everybody's it been it's been incredible um and for him he, to have driven a lot of the change that led to what happened um needs to take a lot of credit for it what impact it will have um i don't know without knowing exactly what roles everybody already undertakes behind the scenes and what sort of person they'll, they'll go for to to replace or whether it's a bit of a restructure um, whether that restructure is kind of already underway, um, I don't know. But he certainly goes having had uh, had an impact on the most remarkable 18 months uh, the club has had for, for a good few decades.
0: Yeah, as David says, I don't think we know what happens next specifically or what's been happening the last few months in terms of actually running the club. But it's obvious that in the last two years, uh, under Cooper and under Murphy, with the backing of the owner's money, a lot's changed at the football club. A lot of off the field stuff that we don't see around training facilities and infrastructure. And I just hope you know that continues and they keep being forward thinking because they're not going to be a Premier League club for in the long term if they're not properly successful off the field as well as on it. So let's see what happens. But Dane Murphy has certainly done a good job. Right. Uh, any other business as ever? Greg, anything you want to say?
2: No, just uh, I'll put another throw in for Beat the Streets at the end of the year. Like I said last time, end of this month. Now there's no Forest game that weekend. We were kind of hoping Leeds lost yesterday so they could finally rearrange that fixture. But we've got a free weekend, so spend your Sunday watching loads of music in Nottingham. It'll be great.
0: Yes, tell us about Beat the Streets. There's some kind of youth beat combo,
2: I assume, that you enjoy watching. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's a music festival and loads and loads of bands from Nottingham, including bands that I mentioned on here before, like The Chase. It's like £10 a ticket. Every penny goes towards Framework, which is a homeless charity uh, based around Nottingham. they do loads of good. And it's just a brilliant day. Me and my mates go every year and it's such a good crack at like Rock City Rescue Rooms, all the good venues. So, yeah, that's it.
0: David, anything you want to add? You're not allowed to plug anything as a BBC person. Any last words? <laughs> <to
1: speak? laughs> well, I mean, uh, I will just give a mention of my podcast, which I've had a few weeks off from over Christmas. Uh, but shut up and show more football. We'll be back this week, hopefully, with um, uh, a, a rather surprising guest. Um, is so, Dave Murphy on uh, on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can <laughs> confirm it won't be Dave Murphy. Um, but uh, the, I mean, the only other thing is, I, I honestly started this year thinking I was going to eat healthier. And then I've gone to a football match where I've had fish and chips, great fish and chips, by the way, uh, in, in Blackpool, followed by a Cornish pasty and about two bags of Haribo during the game that Steve Sutton's provided. So I, I think I'm going to have to put back to February any plans to um, uh, get my health back to anything like it was. So um, that, that's all I've got to talk about, food, really.
0: I'm eating quite healthy. I'm doing all right. I didn't have any birthday cake at the weekend. My brother-in-law came over, so I'm doing quite well. Um... Your podcast is, just to give it a chance to plug it since you've come on ours, is it a weekly one or is it a bit more informal?
1: It, it's it's Well, it, it was more informal, now it's changed, so now yeah. it's a bit more formal. So now we'll have it out every Thursday, it's called Shut Up and Show More Football, which is um, a cluffy quote from an argument he had with the BBC, uh, with John Motson, uh, so it, it's a weekly podcast, sometimes we'll have guests on, sometimes it'll be me and Colin, just sort of. Uh, discussing what uh, what's been what's been going on at the club, um, and yeah, we've had a few weeks off over uh, over Christmas. Well, a few weeks off from the podcast. It's been about the busiest time I've ever known because I've been presenting programs at Forest Mansfield, Knotts, and everything else. So Christmas has always been busy, but um, so no time for the podcast. But it's um, it, it's back this week. So yeah, it's on BBC Sounds. We always push it out across our social media as well. So yeah, you'll see the next one out on Thursday or Friday this week. Excellence.
0: Uh, what would I say? I mean, I suppose I would say all will be forgiven if they beat Wolves, if they beat Leicester. Uh, Blackpool was terrible. But if you'd offer me a win at Southampton and a 4-1 thrashing at Blackpool, I'd definitely have taken that because the Premier League's more important to me this season. So hopefully Forest dust themselves down and do much better. And these players who failed do better next time they get a chance. But I wouldn't be writing these players off. I know that's a topic of discussion at the weekend and one I got into. I feel there's Plenty more to offer from plenty of them. So uh, have a good week, everyone. I look forward to the Wolves game. I shall be there. And
1: in the meantime, thank you, Greg. Cheers. Enjoyed it. Thank you, David. Uh, thank you. I promise next time I will wait before <laughs> saying yes so that I'm not on talking about a defeat again. Yeah. Next time they'll win. <laughs> I was going to Max, say, I mean, yeah. who,
0: who can we invite you on after? Because, you know, even if it's like, let's we'll say Stevenage, they beat Villa. So we, there's just no... Just don't write him. me
1: off after three defeats. Just don't write me off. <laughs> it's, it's too
0: early to judge someone it's after three, three eight, terrible defeats.
1: One, one goal scored. 13, is it? Conceded.
0: 5-4-9. Uh, yeah, 13. 13, yeah. Yeah.
1: 13 conceded. So just please don't write me off
0: at this early stage of uh, of my career. You are having a terrible season and deep in a relegation battle, but we're not giving (laughs) up on you. Right. Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks for the comments. Some interesting ones this week, certainly, but much appreciated. And we shall see you on Thursday after the Wolves game.